So what is going on, guys? We have a very special guest on the line for our very first segment of the new show called Across the Aisle. It's a subset of the Tomahawk Roundup where we cover other teams and ask them questions about the Blackhawks and their organization. And I am joined by Randy Hahn, broadcaster for the San Jose Sharks. Randy, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. So this is, again, the inaugural segment across the aisle. So what is the biggest impact that Eric Carlson has had on the Sharks organization? Well, I think there's uh, no question that when you bring a superstar player like Eric Carlson into uh, any new team, and he's only been with Ottawa up to this point in in his career, it's immediately going to have a big impact on your fan base. the, the hardcore hockey fans recognizing what a, an amazing talent he is. Uh, on the ice, I think the results have been a little bit up and down right now. Anytime you bring a superstar into a new team, there's usually an adjustment period for him. He doesn't want to step on too many toes, at least at the beginning, as he eases himself into the situation. And uh, I think the Sharks are going through that right now. Uh, Carlson getting used to the group he's with and the coaching staff uh, – getting used to using him within the uh, concept of the team. So uh, I don't think we've seen the best of Eric Carlson yet as a San Jose Shark. It's been a month. I think uh, another month from now will be another story. Okay, so uh, what is the biggest challenge that the Sharks face when going into the Madhouse on Madison? Well, I think one the biggest challenge is the atmosphere. Uh, I go back far enough to the days at the old Chicago Stadium, and that was an electric atmosphere as well. But even going into uh, the United Center in the early years, I would call it the Eric Daze, Alexei Shamnov era, there wasn't much buzz. The Blackhawks weren't a, a quality hockey team. They weren't a playoff hockey team. And you just didn't feel that roar that you feel now. And I think what, what has happened since the Blackhawks have gone on their great run of three Stanley Cups is that they've been able to recreate what the old Chicago Stadium had in this new huge United Center. And when you put the multiplication factor in of how much more people that are in the United Center versus the old stadium and the size of the place, it's a very daunting atmosphere to come into. And uh, you have world-class players like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and so on and so on. And, and the great defense they have with Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook and all the rest. It's, uh, it's been a very, very uh, daunting atmosphere to go into. And you know you're in for a tough hockey game. Thank you. So take us through the moment in 1994 where Chris Osgood misplayed the puck in Game 7. Just what is that like, like going into that Game 7 and you just catch that break and you're going on to the next round? Well, for me, that's still the biggest moment in Sharks history. It was only the third season that the team was in existence. And uh, hockey fans may recall that the Sharks played their first two years at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, waiting for the new arena in San Jose to be complete. So it was the first year in the new San Jose arena. No one expected them to be in the playoffs because they went 11-71-2 the year before. They were horrible. And here they sneak into the playoffs as the eighth seed. They draw the one seed, Detroit. They somehow get to a Game 7 at Joe Lewis Arena, and then Osgood uh, makes the, the mistake. Jamie Baker converts what turned out to be the biggest goal in Sharks history, 
and it was a moment I'll never forget. Oh wow! Yeah, no, I I wasn't around then, but I I've seen replays. I watched that game in its entirety, and I can just feel the shift in momentum building up to that point. So I want to talk about a, a friend of mine or an acquaintance or someone that I've been in contact with, Tommy Wingle. So a Nutria alumnus, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent with Geneve Servat at the end of this year. What possibility is there for a homecoming in San Jose, and what does he bring to a team? Well, Tommy was with the Sharks for a number of years, drafted by the organization. Uh, a tremendous, hard-working player who, who beat the odds considering where he was drafted to get to the NHL and then stick to the NHL and, and have a nice career. Um, you know, anything's possible coming back from Europe and trying to get your game back and, and play at the NHL level. I think Tommy's got a lot of the tools that are necessary to be a, probably a, a second six forward in the NHL, whether that's here in San Jose or not. Uh, remains to be seen and whether or not he, you know, in a, in a league that's so much faster uh, and so much younger than, than the NHL was uh, when Tommy first came in even a, a decade or so ago. So we'll just have to wait and see, but uh, a tremendous individual. Uh, he and his wife Molly were great people and uh, when they were here in San Jose and uh, look forward to running into him again somewhere down the line. And, who knows, maybe even as a shark. Yeah, I mean, he was he was an incredible individual with me. I mean, he was my first professional interview for those who haven't been around on the show that long. I was actually in Minnesota when he got traded to Boston, and I was walking into the St. Paul Hotel because I was coincidentally staying there. And I noticed that the Bruins were in there. And I was like, why don't I try to snag Tommy Wingles for the show? It would be the greatest thing to have a Nutria alum on the show. Took town, took 20 minutes and talked with me, recorded a minute and a half interview, and yeah, he's just really classy, and I just hope he comes back to the NHL. So yeah, he's, he's a great person, and uh, I can't think of a better uh, mentor to have. Yeah, so take me through Patrick Marlowe's return to San Jose. I mean, what is it like with someone like him returning to home? Well, that, that did happen last season, and it'll happen again uh, later on this month when the Maple Leafs are in San Jose. Patrick uh, is probably one of, if not the most popular Sharks in franchise history. Uh, the San Jose Sharks have been around for 28 years, but they've never retired a sweater to the rafters. And if I'm going to guess who, who goes up there first, it'd be a pretty good bet to say that it'll be Patrick Marlowe's number 12. Uh, he was uh, just a, a consummate professional here in San Jose. Uh, the fans loved him. He put up incredible numbers. He was incredibly durable. Uh, season after season played all 82 games and uh, you know he's just such a popular figure here and playing in the Eastern Conference is, is a good thing I guess because the Sharks only face him a couple of times a year if you trade within your own conference or even your own division fans see this guy all the time and they almost develop a, a dislike for him because he's the opponent so many times but that hasn't happened uh, it'll be like another homecoming when he's here and it would be kind of nice as well with the NHL All-Star Game in San Jose this year in, Mar in uh, January. It'd be nice if they found a way for Patrick Marlowe to be, be part of the All-Star Game as well. He still has a home here in San Jose. I think when he retires, he'll make San Jose his home, and it would be nice for him to be part of the All-Star celebration as well. Yeah, that's. I'm looking forward to the All-Star Game in San Jose. It's such an electrifying area to play hockey in with the Shark Tank. It's fantastic. I haven't been to a game there thus far, but I'm. that's one of the big things on my bucket list as a broadcaster to go to the Shark Tank. So who are some of the favorites coming out of the West besides San Jose and why? 
Well, I think you have to look at the central division for your primary favorites for the quality of teams that we saw last year going deep into the postseason. Uh, teams like Nashville, um, teams like the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I wouldn't discount the Colorado Avalanche. They're uh, off to another great start after a great finish to last season and probably have right now the best line in hockey um, with uh, with Landis Gog and uh, Ranton and company. And uh, that is just a, a tremendous force coming out of Denver. In, in the Pacific Division, it's a little bit more of a toss-up. I think the Sharks are probably a lot of people's favorite because of the team they have on paper, but you got to get it done. And so far, San Jose's results have been okay, but not fantastic. And then you look at the Vegas Golden Knights. So they went all the way to the Stanley Cup final last year. Everything fell for them uh, in the right direction. They got every break. It seemed like they got every bounce until they ran into Ovechkin and company in the Stanley Cup final. But I wouldn't discount them as well. They play a tremendous team game and play at the new NHL pace with a lot of speed and skill. So uh, those would be my picks. Uh, Winnipeg, Colorado, Nashville, San Jose, uh, Vegas. And you never know. Somebody can emerge out of that group that you left out and uh, and make a big splash and, and spoil all the predictions. Uh, but that's what it looks like to me. Thank you. So is there anything else before we go that you wanted to touch on regarding the league, San Jose, the Hawks, anything in general? Well, I just have an affinity for Chicago. Uh, I lived there for eight years, worked at the old sports channel in Chicago. Both my sons were born at Northwest Memorial Hospital. So I love the city. I miss living there. And uh, when I'm not cheering for the Sharks uh, or we're not playing Chicago, go Hawks. Exactly. So there you guys have it. Randy Hahn, broadcaster for the San Jose Sharks, one of the best broadcasters in the business. Randy, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure.